Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. As I said, it's called Foster Care Awareness Sunday. Second time we have done this. Everyone said, man, it was so blessed last year. We wanted to do it again this year. But I want to uh, change the title of this, and it's not so whatever. I want you to see how, how powerful this is when I say it like this. This title of today, and this is a thought for you to think about, is when faith becomes practical. When our faith becomes practical, watch what happens. And... Um, and so let me go ahead and, and bring our whole panel up. So guys, come on up, everyone that I asked you to come for this service. Welcome up our social worker, foster parents, and Lindsay Markham. <laughs> Lindsay was going to be here, but Steve's filling in. I want these guys to join me today. And um, because I, w- I want us to talk about something that, w- that needs to be important. We, this is what kind of church we are. We are the church. Our mission statement says that very clearly. Now, listen, if you're visiting for the first time or you're listening to this podcast, I am a, am a preacher. I am a word preacher and teacher. You come to this church, no matter who's preaching in this church, you're going to hear the word of God. And everyone agree with that? Say amen. amen. And so, uh, but today we're going to change it up a little bit. Instead of just being spiritual, we want to be practical. How many know Jesus was both spiritual and practical? Jesus, uh, you see it all in his ministry. He was preaching one time, and they forbid women or children, uh, especially children, to come near when adults were doing their things. Women and and children were almost on a lower social level. Jesus stopped them and said, bring the child here. He sat down, and he brought a child, and he began to just teach that we need to become like the child. I mean, he was very practical in what he taught. He would talk about farming and all this stuff. The woman at the well, he, uh, we all know the story. Do you realize he could have sent his disciples to go into Samaria, tell this woman, come to church and hear him preach? He's a holy ghoster. Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. He went himself all the way out of his way to a very hostile environment, which was the Samaritans. Them and Jews didn't get along. Jesus sat down and waited for a woman who had been married five times and was living with number six. So she was socially not very accepted by the church community. Jesus went out of his way to meet with her and to love on her and ended up changing her life practical. Everybody say practical. Practical. What would happen if our faith would really, we would engage our faith and use our faith to be practical. I'm sitting here today because people uh, were practical with their faith. Listen, we're not going to change America with our opinions. We're going to change America by our example. Amen. And so, yes, amen. Thank you, Noah. Get it going. Amen. And, and so this is what today is all about. And so I got some, some friends here w- with us, and, and we're going to really talk about this. Um, another issue that is at our country right now is this abortion issue. And what we do at River of Life is we don't back down from subjects. We hit it head on because that's the way the Word of God does. And I thought how awesome it kind of is perfect timing for this week for us to talk about this. I want to show you how this abortion conversation comes right into play with what the Word of God teaches us. I want to show you one of the most pro-life scriptures in all of the Bible. 
You think fearfully, wonderfully made in my mother's womb. Those are all great. Let me show you on that James, the uh, brother of Jesus who came with his practical teaching. Look what he said. He said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's good. Isn't that amazing? How many's ever been asked, what's the real religion? What's the right religion? How many's ever been asked that? Is it Muslim, Islam? Is it Christianity, Catholic, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Baptist? Which is right? Right here, God says, this is the perfect religion in my eyes. The ones that do something about the problem that we have in our culture. Take care of orphans and widows and to keep oneself uh, from being polluted from the word. Let me say this. I'm going to quit preaching and we're going to talk. This scripture, these two things work together. You cannot be polluted by the world if you are practicing the word. That's good. Let me say that again. You cannot be polluted from the world. One of the biggest problems in church today is the world has found its way in our heart and has stolen our love and our affection. That's why it's difficult to worship sometimes when we got the spirit of the world in our hearts. I don't mean to preach, but I'm preaching. What really will display uh, worship and truly living for Christ is when our affection and our heart is focused in on Jesus. Let me say it like this. When we really fall madly in love with Jesus. How do you keep the spirit of the world out of our heart? By practicing the word. And that's what he says here. Keep oneself from being polluted by the word. By what? By how? Go have conferences? No, those work. By doing practical things like practicing the word. And James says, don't just pray for people who need clothes and shelter. James says, don't just say, I'm praying for you. We love to say that. Praying for you, brother. Praying for that foster care need. Wow. No, James says, if we can do something about it, let us do something about it. And so today, the purpose of today is number one, two things. Everyone say two things. things. Number one, to raise awareness to this foster care issue. How many knew that there were 400,000 children in foster care in America? One. Too. And I appreciate your honesty. I admit, my, I had no idea this was such a big issue until my daughter got into so, social work. I was like, whoa, it's, it's major. So we want to raise awareness. And I also want to show you how this plays a role in the conversation about abortion today. Because one of the big pushbacks we get from the pro-choice and the pro-abortion community is church people. Why are you telling this woman to keep her baby in the foster care system is such a, a mess? So we need to learn to address that, and we need to learn to have a conversation, don't run away from it. And uh, it's not time for churches to just, you know, pick it, I believe in protest, and I believe in standing up for what you believe, but we're called to not just post, uh, do that, we're called to demonstrate the love of Christ and to connect with people. We had a college missionary here with us Wednesday who is from uh, U of M, who was right on the campus of our university. So how many think we need revival on our campuses? If you were here Wednesday, you heard our brother tell you how important it is to get God in our college campuses. But he says, you know what's working is when we just drop the rhetoric and quit being so preachy and we just come alongside, we connect with them by loving on them and doing the practical things and showing them the love of Christ. And then they connect and then we're able to share the word of God. So number one, raise awareness. Number two, I want to show us all here how we can all do something. 
We, I don't expect everybody here to be a, a, a foster parent. That may not be something we can do. But today is to raise an awareness to how what this is about and to show how we can do something about it. Okay? And so I got a guest with it. I got a social worker, foster parents with us. And Lindsay was going to represent the pregnancy center because that's what she does. And, but she woke up sick. A couple people woke up just sick today and weren't able to be here. So uh, Steve's going to stand. And he did a great job at 930. And I know he's going to do good here today. So I want to start with... Uh, Felicia. So in case you don't know who this beautiful young woman is, uh, she's my daughter. That's why I just kissed her. Let me just say that. We're a loving church. We ain't that loving. Ain't no going somebody. <laughs> this is my daughter. Uh, and so tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Felicia here at River of Life. I serve alongside Lindsay Andrade as the River Kids director, um, but I also work in foster care. I've been in foster care for a couple of years now, and right now I am currently a licensing worker. So I work with families um, that are interested in becoming foster parents. Amen. <laughs> Pretty good. Okay, so let's just, let's just get right into it. We know that we saw that statistic up there. That's a pretty big statistic in, in the United States. What's the need of foster care? What, is it, what does foster care look like uh, in Michigan? So right now we have about 14,000 children in the state of Michigan that are currently in foster care. And so this is the second year that the Department of Health and Human Services has issued a state of emergency, meaning that we have so many children in foster care, we don't have enough homes for them. And so what we're seeing is that children that are five, six, seven years old are going into group homes or residential facilities because we don't have families that have stepped up um, to provide a home for these children. How many, how many in Michigan? 14,000. Okay, how many ever been to Joe Louis Arena to see the Red Wings? Mm -hmm. They hold 20,000. Mm -hmm. So that's almost what Joe Louis Arena holds. Picture that with children that are needing a home. Just kind of give you perspective. How many's ever been to a Tigers game at Comerica Park? Mm -hmm. That holds 40,000. So picture half the stadium filled just in Michigan with children that need a home. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. And this is the only thing that the states are actually reaching out to churches mm -hmm. asking us to help. They don't ask us to help for nothing. It's always been separation of church and state. Guess what? The need is so big, they're coming to churches saying, hey, can you please encourage your people to help because we've got an issue. And so I love the Assemblies of God. We're doing this in all of our churches this month. Many of them are doing exactly what we're doing today. And we're making the difference, as you're going to see uh, here, here today. So that's, that's just to give you perspective. Okay, so um, what is fostering, in case people don't know, and what's really the purpose of it? So children are brought into foster care for a variety of different reasons. Um, we're seeing, because of the opioid crisis, a lot of children are being brought in because of substance abuse. And so they're removed from their birth family and they're placed in a temporary, stable, loving home, which is a foster home, until the birth family can rectify the situations that brought the kids into care in the first place. And so basically what a foster family is, is just a family that's willing and able to temporarily care for a child, to really partner with the agency and the birth family to create like a support network to like rehabilitate the family so that the child can eventually be reunified. So that's the goal of fostering. That's the goal, yeah. Is to try to get the kids back to their home. That's what they want to do. So but in the meantime, mom and dad might need, right. might need some help. And so fostering comes in. Okay, who, who can foster? 
anybody can foster. You have to be an adult with no criminal history and a stable living environment. Um, but you don't have to be married. You don't have to own your own home. You don't have to make a ton of money. Um, a lot of people think it's this big undertaking that they can't possibly do. But if you really look into it, a lot of people are more qualified than you think. Yes. Wow. Amen. Um, so what if you're here and you say, you know, I don't know about fostering. That's kind of like a big commitment for me. Uh, how else can I help? What else are there that people sitting here can say, I can make a difference, I can help? Like the respite and respite care. Yeah, that. so if you, if you can't, if, you, if you're saying like, oh, I, I, I can't take, I don't think I could take on the responsibility of taking in a placement, you can get licensed for um, just respite care. So what respite care is, is providing um, a two or three week break for a foster family um, if they have to go on vacation or medical leave or if they have an emergency in their personal life, you can be a respite foster family to care for the child for just a short amount of time. If you don't want to be licensed, you can also become a substitute care provider. Every agency does this a little bit different. Um, my agency, you just have to sign some policy, um, pass a background check, and then submit a copy of your driver's license. And then you are basically like a babysitter for a foster family. Would that help? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It has helped. How many know having a babysitter helps? Amen. Right, right. And so having something like that. Isn't that an awesome way to do that? I did not know this. I did not know that this was um, even available for people to do, to say, hey, that's a, well, that's a small commitment uh, to make a big impact. And when they're in your home, uh, they become a part of your family and, and for that time. And so we're really able to make a difference. And so we have with us uh, one of our awesome foster care parents. And we've got so many in our church. Matter of fact, right now, if you're here and you have fostered or are a foster parent or have adopted, why don't you just please stand if you've done any of this and you're in our 1130 service. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. We had other, several others at the 930 service. That's, that's amazing. That's awesome how it's able to make a difference uh, in people's lives. So, uh, Mike and Danny, won't you tell us who you are in case everybody don't know who you are uh, and what made you get into fostering? Okay. Um, so... <laughs> So hello everyone, uh, good morning, and uh, so I'm Michael Smith, this is my wife Danny. Uh, you guys probably know our kids, Waylon and Kainoa, um, and then uh, you might see Mia every now and again. Um, so, so that's us, um, we've been happy uh, coming here for a few months now, and I'm um, happy that this is our church home, and I uh, love everyone here, and um, I'm gonna let Danny kind of talk a little bit about what got us into uh, foster care, what got us on this path. How long have you been fostering? Uh, we've been fostering for four years, yeah. Four years okay. now. All right. yeah. So what led us to foster care was not completely unselfish at first. We were so blessed miraculously to have Waylon biologically, but it was extremely difficult. Um, and I had a really, really terrible pregnancy. And we kind of had had the discussion before we got married that we knew that there was a need for adoption and we both had a heart for adoption. We had no idea that that reality in our lives would come so quickly. Um, and kind of just looking at all of the options as far as what's available for adoption, you, you know, whether it's domestic or it's overseas, whatever the case may be, we were in a situation where financially what made the most sense was to meet a need. And when the Lord opened the door for adoption to become possible, 
that we would do that. Um, and then the more that we got into foster care and the more that we realized that there was just so much more of an opportunity to be hands and feet to families and um, after four or five placements, God opened some really cool doors for us to partner with birth parents. Um, one who's coming out of that opioid struggle and to meet you know, their needs and mentor them. Um, then that kind of reason that we stay in foster care changed, which isn't something we expected. So God did something not only for us, but for them as well. Amen. Yeah, just to... Just to tack onto that too, um, you know, I'm one of those people who were sitting hearing about foster care and thinking like, oh man, I don't think we could do that. Like, we don't have a big enough house, we don't make enough money, um, we don't have a good support network. You know, these are all questions that I had and when, when we decided to go into foster care, I was very nervous about it. Um, she was a lot more on board than I was initially. Um, it's one of those moments where like, guys, we just gotta listen to our wives and, and, and stay the course. Um, but it's so awesome looking retrospectively uh, at how God's hand was in our lives working things, right? Because, you know, if you would have told me then that us having a hard time naturally conceiving a child would have been a blessing, mm -hmm. I, I would have not believed that. Um, but now I can absolutely say that um, what God's done with our lives through foster care, um, you know, we're completely sold out on it now. Mm -hmm. So just shows God's providence through that. Amen. Um, at the 930 service, we had another one of our awesome families, the Estemeyer family in uh, it, won't you just show that picture in case you know who the Estemeyers are? We've got a picture of, of them. I just wanted you, this was, this is the clan, Estemeyer <laughs> clan. And this picture, they're standing with the judge. This is the day where they were awarded full custody and adoption to the, the Avery and Amari here. And uh, isn't that pretty awesome? Yes. And so, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Uh, go, go back to, to Mike and Danny here. I, I, now you guys have a son, biological son, yep. and then now, Tell us who's in those pictures there. So, Waylon that Michael is holding is our biological son. Kainoa, who's the little guy in the yellow Batman shirt, um, is now officially legally our son as of April 19th this Amen. year. Awesome. Um, Marley up top, she was our very first placement ever. And then Carmelo came before Marley left. Um, and then, Mia is in the middle of our two boys. Um, and then Mia's mom and her stepdad is with us in the picture in the corner. And then I'm sure people are very familiar with baby Gabe in the bottom left-hand corner. Um, this church has been instrumental in your prayer and your support because God has been miraculously showing up for him um, and putting his family back together. So yeah. those are all of our kiddos. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? One of what I wanted to ask you is what are some of the challenges and what are the rewards? Uh, and since you already started mentioning how God is already impacting uh, the, the baby there, what are some of the rewards that, I, I, all kinds of them, but what's some of the rewards of being fostered? Yeah. So one thing I always tell people, it's a joke, but it's, it's true in such a good way that my life is kind of 0% what I thought it would look like as far as um, terms of motherhood and you know childbearing and child rearing. Um, but God knew so much better because we have seen miracles happen over and over and over again. And so those times when we get weary and those times when we're like, Lord, I cannot say yes again, um, you know, he shows up in such a big way. 
and being able to, I mean, we're taking me on vacation with us this week, you know, just because we have that relationship with her mom, we're not, it's not a loss. People tell us all the time, you know, I don't know that I could ever give them back. Um, but let me tell you that God is so faithful because even though she's there, she's where she needs to be, I still get to see her. She still calls me mom at her mother's request, which is so much grace. Um, and the same with baby Gabe. We see him all the time and get to love on his mom. And it filled such a hole in our lives that I don't think we knew existed where, um, you know, I, us not knowing, okay, Lord, are we going to have more children? You know, that this was a way that in the midst of so much loss that we are very, very much aware takes place when these kids are removed, that God is able to intervene and fill a hole, you know, with Kai, especially with his story, you know, he's one of those who was abandoned. Um, and so for me, it's so cool to see God's sovereignty that, um, you know, none of these kids biologically or otherwise belong to me. They are God's children. And when we turn that over and we walk in faith and we know that God is sovereign and no matter what happens, whether they leave us, whether they stay, that God's purpose will be fulfilled in these children's lives because we pray, because you guys pray. The coolest thing happened when I realized that little boy now has a mom and I have a baby that I did not think that I could have. Um, So I think for me, that's been the most impactful isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's cool, man. Amen. Uh, I, I got nothing to add to the, to the rewards. I mean, that's that's truly, you know, just kind of back to what I was saying before. It's like one of those times where you don't you don't see where the the light is at the end of the tunnel, but it's there, you know. And it's it's just something amazing that God's done. And I see the one picture of the birth parents of the one. So you're actually another benefit. You're sometimes able to to work with some of the parents and even influence them. Yeah. They see what you're doing. They're so thankful. Uh, because no one's more thankful when someone does something for your kids to help your kids. Even though mom and dad, a lot of times are in a bad situation, made some poor choices. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just need to see some good examples in their life and, 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 and bring the, the love of Jesus to their family. And, you know, many don't have what we have. Some of us have grown up in the church, and this is something we we're used to. Many don't have anyone in their whole family who has ever served the Lord. Mm-hmm and ever showed the love of God to them. And so, yeah, they're going to come and make bad decisions and bad choices. And so that's what the world does. That's what happens when we don't have God in our life. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but yet God's able to work in so many different ways through fostering. Um, okay, those are great blessings. Now, let's talk about a challenge. What, what's some of the greatest <coughs> challenges as being foster parents? Yeah, um, yeah, it definitely comes with challenges. Um, I think as a, as a potential uh, or current foster parent, you know, you need to definitely be aware um, that things aren't always going to go smoothly. Um, I think as, as Christians, uh, we know pretty well that, that a lot of times we are not in control of circumstances, right? Um, things kind of get put in our way uh, that we don't foresee, um, that wasn't a part of our plan, and that we, you know, maybe agree with a little bit or don't agree with at all. Um, and that's kind of the one, one of the things that you, you sign on for uh, doing foster care, and it's good to know that. Um, you know, the, the number one goal is reunification uh, with the, the biological parents, you know, and, and when that can happen, that's incredible. And, you know, like for Mia's uh, situation, um, that happened, and, and it was a beautiful, um, beautiful scenario where um, her mom, Tasha, was, was very engaged in keeping us a part of, uh, of the picture and having like a good pass off. 
Um, and then we were very respectful of her. We could really see the, the drive and desire in her to, to try to take that on and, and be the best mom she could be. And, and that's a great scenario. Um, and you have difficult scenarios uh, where you have no control. Um, I remember uh, driving every, was it three days a week uh, from Ann Arbor to Pontiac to pick up um, Marley the, in the top left, uh, pick her up from her, um, her two hour visit with her biological father. The mom was not allowed to have contact. The mom was still having contact, found out they were meeting up you know, around the corner and, and you hear these things and, and you say things and you feel like things aren't being um, paid attention to. And it's one of those things where you just have to grin and bear it. Um, you know, again, you don't have control. Your job is to, to place, a, to have a good, stable, healthy, loving environment. And, and realize that, you know, in the back of your mind, these aren't your kids, you know. Um, they could be one day, you know, in, in Kai's situation, they could be one day. Um, but until that, you have to stay the course. And, you know, if we don't have control of um, the circumstances, we at least have control of our faith and of just staying, you know, like you said, staying planted. Um, you know, finding a good support system, things like that. Um, and just stay in the course, um, but just being fluid, you know. Um, Sometimes there's, you know, you might get, you know, an allegation. Um, I remember one time showing up to Pontiac after working all day and, and dro driving up there, and the dad um, reamed me about a, a diaper rash that Marley had um, that was well documented. You know, we had to take her to to urgent care over a diaper rash because that's just what you got to do. There's these things you got to do, and they don't make sense at the time. But again, you know, adapt and overcome and drive on, you know, stay on the path and Which just do is, it. I think one of the biggest burdens, at least on my heart, for the church body to be so involved is because we have that unique and very cool blessing that it's okay that we're not in control because the thing that has kind of become a catchphrase, but in all realness, that like God is sovereign. So regardless of my control, he's in control. Regardless of any of that, God is in control. And I think that what's important in all of that is to tap into your resources. And that's what's so important for us in getting through the hard times is having a good relationship with our licensing worker, having a good relationship with our foster care worker, because they've been such a support to us in being able to say, you know, listen, we're struggling, you know, we're having a hard time, you know, getting our minds in the right places because it is emotional. Um, You're not alone in it. You exactly. Have we have, we have the help, you know, with our licensing workers, with the, I cannot stress how big the church family has been for us in easing that burden, yeah. you know, reminding us God's in control, reminding us, Hey, you know, we've been blessed beyond with prayer and food and, you know, babysitters. And when we were in the hospital all the time, I mean, y'all showed up and we yes. cannot thank you enough because yeah. the hard times are not as hard when we have that support. And, and this is a, you guys are just like preaching to the choir today. Yeah. I still wanted to do it, but our church is very, um, active in this. In fact, uh, Don and Vale, our head usher, they're not here today. He told me last week, he said, uh, Pastor, we're not going to be here Sunday because I'm going to be with my daughter. She's a foster care parent, and she is having an adoption ceremony where mm -hmm. she's adopting their child that they've been fostering. Yeah. I said, Don, that's next Sunday. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> and he got all emotional, handed me a stick of gum. And so... <laughs> But, I mean, that's what kind of people that, you know, we have. And Estemeyer said the same thing at 930, how 
they have been so blessed by the church just stepping up and helping and saying, hey, man, I'm going to help you do this. And I'll have some things here that I'll share what everybody can do uh, as we move along. But in between services, I ran downstairs. I love to go around our volunteers and just see who's serving today and love on them. And downstairs is Tomas and Sierra. And uh, they're, they're down there uh, teaching our kids right now. And he goes, hey, well, so what you, what you preaching on, Pastor? And I begin to tell him. He goes, man, that's so amazing about the foster care thing. I had, he said, we're teaching on perseverance down here, mm-hmm. teaching our kids to persevere. And I asked the kids, I said, what is the biggest thing for you to persevere? And little Wyatt Estemeyer said, one of the things that's hard for me is when mom and dad gets a foster child, we need to persevere while we have them, mm-hmm. to love on them and to show them the love of Jesus while we got them. So good. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. <laughs> They don't make you cry. Something's wrong. That's, good. That's happened today. I said, Tomas, thank you for sharing that, man. That's just amazing stuff. Isn't God good? Yes, he is. Amen. Okay. So the fostering is an amazing way to get involved. And uh, lastly, we got uh, Lindsay slash Steve with us. This is an awesome ministry as well. Say, hey, we can't foster, but you want to get involved. Uh, tell us about the pregnancy center. This is Yes, Lindsay. Uh, really broke her heart. She couldn't be here. She was uh, trying so hard, but uh, I'm going to do my best. So my wife volunteers and is affiliated uh, with a place called AAA Resource Center, and the A's stand for Alternate Answers to Abortion. And this, uh, it's in the same pipeline, Preserving Life. It just may be at a different location, but it's in the same uh, pipeline. You know, you've heard of the statement that was brought up earlier that a lot of folks, when they accuse the church, they say, you know, all you care about is uh, letting the mom keep the baby, but you're not willing to help her after the baby's been born. Uh, these guys in this uh, organization, they take, they, take, um, they take issue with that because this is, they're fulfilling that call. Mm-hmm. I was talking with the director. They just had an open house a couple of weeks ago. They have a beautiful facility in Livonia right off of I-96 in Merriman area uh, that was given to them. It was just a beautiful facility. So they were having an open house for pastors and, and uh, volunteer would-bes to come. And I was talking with the, the lady there who runs it, and she said, you know, this is a place where we roll up our sleeves and we get our hands dirty with life. Mm-hmm. She said, far too long the church has turned its back on people and said, come to us when you get your, your act together and your place cleaned up. He said, this is the place where the dirty come. This is the place where the wounded come and the broken come. And these, this is the place that says, you're not alone. We do this with you. Um, my, my wife is, uh, she's, there's many different ways to volunteer. I'll talk about what Lindsay does. Lindsay is a counselor or an associate, and she uh, has appointments. Um, they're open all through the week. And so she'll sit down with a mom, mom-to-be, and uh, give her information. They have a very, uh, it's really high tech. Um, you go into the room, and they have an interactive iPad, and they can show the baby all the nine months of gestation, uh, gestation, where it's at, what it looks like, how big it is. They have sounds of babies, even from when the first heartbeat is detected. You can hear it. You can see it. Um, they provide, uh, I see we got some pictures. Let me talk about this for a minute. Is, am I going out of order? No, is this okay? go ahead. All right, so this is one of, the, uh, one of the facilities called their store. This is one of the things they do because they want to come alongside, again, of moms and dads. Now, they're, they're a resource center. That's why they changed their name. It used to be called the Pregnancy Crisis Center, but they felt that was stereotypical and it was kind of narrow-minded. So they changed it to resource center because that's really what they do. Uh, you can show up if, if, you're, if you're broke and, and have nothing. You will get an emergency fill. It's that next picture. Um, just some more of their clothes. 
That next picture, this one here, this is just a, this is actually a large place. You can show up and they will fill your trunk with diapers and formulas and, and outfits and all that stuff. For just free. Just like for free, completely free. They have an ongoing. I mean, no, di diapers ain't cheap. It's been a while since we've been in that. <laughs> Nick, both hands, brother. <laughs> they have an uh, they have an ongoing program that the moms can come to. Let me just tell you a couple things that they do. Um, first of all, you know they, they do the counseling, obviously, as I said, for those uh, moms to be. They actually have a program for dads to be, and they're looking for yeah. some good men to help with that, to counsel them and 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 kind of give them encouragement. They also have an after-abortion counseling program. That's one of the things that these guys, they like to pride themselves on is because they say, listen, we're here to tell you, you shouldn't do it, but if you do, come back and see us. And we have a program called Healing Hearts, and it's just specifically for the ladies and the dads who have gone through an abortion and need counseling and need prayer, need help. They're not there to judge anybody. They're there to say, hey, we can help you even if you've done that. Um, they give free ultrasounds. I was during the uh, during the open house that I was at. They showed the the ultrasound room, and it's given by a, a registered nurse uh, or practitioner, whichever one's able to do it. I forget. They're certified, and they have the two beds there that they do it, and they have a big giant flat screen. This thing was probably as big as that one, uh, till you can see the baby. And the nurse was so proud to say, because the Planned Parenthood uh, clinics will not let you see the baby, but we let you see the baby. And if I can tell you, she said, I've always I've been a born again Christian for many years. She said, even giving ultrasounds and being a nurse, she said, and I happened to be um, pro-choice until I started working here. And I started giving ultrasounds to moms and I saw for the first time little heartbeats and little hands and little fingers. And she said, now I'm on this side. And, uh, you know, and so she, it's a very powerful thing to be able to see that baby and they provide that free of charge, absolutely free of charge. They will provide you the, with getting back to the store for an on, if you need support for you know more than just once. There's people that do this program for a year, two or three years, up until their babies are, are preschool age, I believe. By then, you know you've been in the program long enough to get help. But they uh, everything in that store that you saw is completely free. They come to Bible classes every week, and they they get Bible classes and they get parent classes learning how to change diapers, learning how to nurse, learning how to make bottles. I mean, literally anything you could think of because they're there to say, don't be scared to have this baby. We're here to help you. You're not on your own. And so during these courses, they get tokens. And I know it sounds like children's church, but this is real life. They come to these classes and they get tokens and in turn, they take these tokens to that store and they buy diapers for their kids. They buy clothing. They, uh, they do this clothing thing seasonally. They, they change it. They, they change it for seasons, to shorts and T-shirts. They have a mom closet that is nothing but maternity clothes um, for, for moms. And this is one of the ways you can help. And I'll answer that in just a second. Uh, my mother-in-law, she's not here at this service, but she's one of their launderers. When they get clothes donated, uh, my mother-in-law is one of the individuals who takes them to her house, washes them, dries them, folds them, and sends them back. So the moms aren't getting leftover smelly basement clothes. They're getting fresh, fitted, repaired, buttons put back on. I mean, some of these even still have the store price tags on them that they're given to these moms. Um, they so that, have that's like what what can we do that's just exactly one, one they're there yeah exactly for the moms and for the babies uh, the clothing like i said and all of that the, these are more things to help these moms these moms can be in this program for the first couple of years of, the, of being a mom and for the babies another resource that this pregnancy uh, this uh, resource center that's why they changed it from pregnancy because it's not just pregnancy is they're they're um, in the sex trafficking industry that is kind of in the same area of this broken family thing my wife had received some training and uh and how to identify and minister because these clinics they're in the abortion um, search engines they paid extra money 
And if I don't run out of time, I would like to share a, a good story about how that saved a life. But they paid extra money to get in the abortion search engine. So when people Google abortion clinics, they, they're the first to pop up in the area. And so that is a, a big cover-up for sex traffickers because they're, so they're, they're taught how to identify victims of sex trafficking. They have um, some training to, uh, to, to hopefully intersect um, or intercept them from, um, you know, continuing to be in harm's way. Let me just uh, say, how many are aware that we've got a major problem with sex trafficking in Michigan? Yeah. Uh, as chaplain, I was just with our chief of police, and they, I asked them, I said, so are you guys staying busy? I was talking with the detectives, and they said, oh, yeah, so what's your number one thing right now? He said, well, school's getting out. We're pretty busy. He said, honestly, sex trafficking, because I-94 runs through here. And he said, this has become a major incident. We have to investigate all the parking lots and uh, stuff like that. Sex trafficking in Michigan, it's happening here. Again, raising awareness today. We get going in life, we get going with work, and we, we kind of miss what's going on right here, right around us. But Yeah, and so and people ask, okay, how can I get involved? Because we understand we all have different limitations, schedules, families, finances. This is a place, I asked the director, I said, how many volunteers do you have here? And she laughed, she said, I have no idea, probably in the hundreds. She said, because here's why, it's layered. She said, we have our core staff that come weekly. We have our core staff that come daily. But she said, we have countless volunteers that have gotten in contact with us and said, you know what, um, I can be a driver. They'll, if moms are call them and say, hey, I need help. I have no food, no diapers, no formula. Um, they'll go pick you up and bring you to the clinic. They, they have people that volunteer to drive to do that. The center pays your gas. They have people to volunteer to come help. They have fundraisers all throughout the year. They have people that just help come when they do bottle drives, doing bottles. Um, their bottle drives are little baby bottles that, like we do buddy barrels, they do baby bottles and they hand them out through thousands of them through churches and businesses. They have people come once a year to help collect those and cash them in. They have people that come work on their facility. They were given the facility, but I've been there. It's ran by mostly women, and that's no disrespect. A lot of them are senior women. They need some guys to change light bulbs. So you'll see the husbands there changing light bulbs. In fact, it's like this. Don't ask me how can I help. They say, what can you do? Yeah. And they'll find a place for you to help. They're that versatile. It's right here in, in Ypsilanti. In Albert. Livonia. Uh, there's many around. Yeah, there's one in Ipsy, but the one she volunteers at is in Livonia, uh, right off of 96. There's cards, if they're not all gone, on the back table called AAA Resource, Pregnancy Resource Center. That's amazing. There's also information of all this that we're talking about today back on the uh, information table right there. So as we bring it to a close, this is what I wanted you to know is that everybody can do something. So I want to ask you, what is your something? And that's what I want you to think and leave from here today. I know it's been a different service, but I think it's important for us to kind of see. We're praying, God, use me. God, use me. I want a worldwide ministry. When's my turn to preach? When's my turn to lead worship? When's my turn? You know, that's our way of thinking. And God says, man, I got ministry at your next door neighbor. If I can just get you to start thinking that that is true ministry, that can really change a person's life. Just a quick story. When I was in high school, I went to E-Course High in ninth grade. I was walking home and I met this kid. We would walk our same direction. Name was Harold and he was a bigger guy and we didn't have any classes together, but we just seemed to meet every day on the way home. So we developed a relationship and I remember talking with him. We would get to high street and he would go his way and then I would go to my house. And that was, that would be the end of the conversation. And I remember one time we were coming to an end and I was, and I always was complaining about my life and I was fighting with mom and dad and having to do these rules and go to church and all this stuff. And, and I just hated life. Wasn't life miserable when you were 14? <laughs> and, uh, and Harold would just listen to my stories and stuff. And, and, um, and one time I stopped and we were leaving and I says, man, uh, I'm getting ready to go home. He says, man, I'd give anything to be able to go to your house. Mm -hmm. 
And I said, what you mean you can come on over, man? He goes, no, actually, I can't come over. He said, I'm, I'm living in the boys' home here at St. Francis. There was a boys' home there that kept uh, orphans, really. And here he was, 15, ninth grade, and uh, had no idea for weeks we have developed this relationship. And he looks at me, he goes, he goes, Eddie, I'd give anything to have half of the things you complain about. He said, I'm not judging you. I just want you to think about that. Perspective. Yeah. And... Um, that's really what we're, we're talking about here. So how can we get involved? What, what is our something? Let me give you some ideas if you haven't already got some here today. Uh, foster or, or adopt, that's huge. Of course, that's, that's the way to hit a home run, to really tap into that 14,000 kids that are in Michigan. But I can't do it, Pastor Eddie. Well, how about become a substitute care provider? You don't even have to be a licensed worker to do that, guys. That's, that's amazing. You just have to do a couple little policy, little procedures there. Become a licensed provider, respite care. That, now, that's a step up. That's more dependable on the person, but that's another way to help. A company foster families to appointments. How handy is that? So handy. You know, uh, especially the, the little baby there that uh, Mike and Danny have been fostering for a while. She's got cancer in her eye back here. And we actually prayed for her and saw some growth and or saw some health coming into her. She improved and got better. So little baby though was born like that with a cancerous tumor behind her little eye. And every time she's here, you know, I see her, we will pray for her, but a lot of doctor's appointments, you gotta take these babies. Some of these babies are born addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. Some of these babies are born with serious, serious problems. And so it is a little bit of challenging there, but we can help with that. Say, hey man, I'll give you a ride. You know, especially if you love to drive. <laughs> Just being funny, but that can help. <laughs> Cook a meal, how many love to eat? Woo. Amen. You are lying in the church house of God. Four of you love, love to eat. Amen. Run errands. You can say, hey, man, let me help you guys out and run some errands. Again, our church does a fantastic job. These are just ideas, man. And maybe you got a foster care worker at work or someone you can need help. Volunteer at the pregnancy centers. Uh, there's so many things we could do there. Steve was telling on the back table more. Finally, I want us to pray. And I put prayer as last because a lot of times we say, I'll just pray for you. And I wanted to say, hey, no, let's not just pray, but let us ask God mm -hmm. what I can do. I would love for us to get uh, our church building built and be able to have uh, like support groups for uh, like a life groups like this. I, I love what uh, Tommy Barnett is doing with his Dream Center in California and other places where he's got an entire building dedicated to help single moms, single dads. Uh, homeless people all the way up. I mean, they are just changing LA and they have planted those dream centers yeah. all over in the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to do something like that in Southeast Michigan. Amen. How many believe we have a need here? Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so let's all stand right now and let's just bring this to a close. And I want to close out with prayer and um, that we would do that. We would actively ask God, what can, can I do uh, in helping with this? And Oh, let's just do that right now. Let's just close our eyes right now. And we've heard a lot of stuff and a lot of information. But uh, the purpose of today was not just to educate us and equip us for co good conversation, but for us to be led by the Lord to say, what can I do? And I just want you to pray that right now. I want you just to pray right now and ask God to speak to your heart. Just ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What, what do you, what can I do? Father, and I got all these things going on in my life. There's many here that have issues in their life right now and all kind of problems, but God, you told us still, Lord, to reach out, to seek first the kingdom of God and these things to be added. So, Father, I just pray. 
I pray over your people right now. Speak to our hearts, God. Father, Lord, maybe we would be, be able to impact the next Billy Graham, God. We would be able to, to do something wonderful, God, that is beyond our comprehension. Thank you for Don and Dale. Thank you for all the foster parents and those that are, have already made a difference, God, in someone's life. I thank you for them. I pray over them. I pray for them, God. You would continue to bless them, strengthen them, Lord. Give them, Lord, help and support. Encourage them, Father. Give them wisdom and direction in their life, God. I pray over them and I help them, Lord. I pray for your help to be on them, oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you may be here. And I just want to feel like giving this altar call. If you're here, to you say, Pastor Eddie, I need Jesus to be in my life and in my heart. I'm ready to surrender my life to him today. I need, I'm ready to pray that prayer. If you're here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you need Jesus Christ in your, in your heart right now, just lift up your hand where you are. And I want to pray for you today. If you're here, say, pray for me today, Pastor Eddie. I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready to commit my life to him today. Amen, amen. Hand up. I see a hand there. Anyone else? Lift it up. If you, yeah, pray for me, Pastor Eddie. Lift a hand up. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray this prayer. And if you lifted up your hand and you asked Jesus and you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, this is the greatest decision you've ever made. I want you to pray this prayer after, after me. In fact, everybody can pray it. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. For I admit to you today, I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. Come into my heart. For I believe in my heart that Jesus rose from the dead and I confess with my mouth I make him my Lord today and help me God from this day forward to follow you in Jesus name thanks Amen. for listening we trust that God has spoken to you through today's message if you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.